Oh, today I will tell you a story which made my husband cry when I told him the story for the first time. But after hearing this, you might get a better perception of time and you will understand my version of what live life fully means. Hello ladies and gentlemen, I'm back, Anna Jelen, your time expert. I'm a keynote speaker, a coach, an entrepreneur or the producer of the program Have a Good Day. Today I will tell you a story which changed my life. It's about my near-death experience and why death became one of my greatest teachers, and still is. Death has always helped me to grow and to get the most out of my time and my life. I will tell you this personal story because hopefully I will be able to wake something up in yourself. The desire to live, the desire to celebrate that you are still alive, or the sparkle of curiosity of life. Because hey, you could be dead, but you are still here, like I am. And I think we should stop to deny that death can really be around the corner, even if this makes you almost panic and freak out. Rather that than to be in a paralyzed mind state where you ignore those thoughts. And where you live a life, you know, just like that. And that would be the opposite of living a life fully. And you know that it is my mission to look you in the eyes and say, please live your life fully. And even if you are living in a deep crisis right now, always remember that this makes you grow. It's a path you need to experience. And even if you are living in a deep crisis right now, always remember that this makes you grow. It's a path you need to experience, even if it's really hard. But that is life. Remember that everything and everyone can be a teacher of yours. We have to be teached from outside to grow on the inside and make us stronger. When I was 17 years old, death became one of my greatest teacher. And it was also the moment where I understood that time is filled with moments and that time suddenly just can stop when you at least expect it. All right. Let's get into this story. So, once upon a time. No, let's make it different. (laughs) Imagine this situation. It's winter. It's cold outside. Minus 20 degrees Celsius. Crispy blue sky. A lovely day, actually. And you live almost 2,000 meters above the sea in a little nice village which is buried in snow. And you, you just want to go for a nice little walk with your dog called Lupa, a big white German shepherd-like dog. But you have to know, you live in this village. You've always lived in the village. You are 17 years old. That means (laughs) that you will put on your jeans and Converse shoes. And both are not really made for the winter and surely not for the cold. Gloves? No, 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 no. You don't need any gloves. The only thing you wear, which looks a bit winter-like, is your dawn jacket. The only thing you wear, which looks a bit winter-like, is your down jacket. Your family isn't in town. They are visiting your granddad, who is in the hospital in a town further away. Nobody knows that you are leaving for this walk. You have spent your day with friends and now you just want to get into nature. 
So you take a path who leads out of the village. You walk and you walk. And already quite far away from the village, the road just ends. The snowplow did end his work here. But you think, I don't want to turn around. So you start to walk in the deep snow. It isn't easy, but one step after another, slowly. Lupa has to walk in your traces because otherwise she will sink into the snow and it's almost impossible for her to get out, although she's quite big. It's heavy, but you keep on going because you see a little tiny sheep pen further away and that is where you want to go. Afterwards, you will turn around and go back home. Well, that's not going to happen, I can tell you already. Because suddenly, out of nowhere, really out of nowhere, there is a huge cloud appearing behind the mountains in front of you. But so fast and you start to feel the wind on your face coming up. The cloud is huge. You do understand quite quickly that this isn't a good cloud and that the weather is going to turn. Believe me, I never knew that it can turn that fast. The sky is turning white and a storm is coming around. You are almost at the little sheep pen, so you continue, but it's starting to snow hard. So the wind is pushing all the snowflakes against your face and your hands and your body and it's hard to see anything. Just a few meters away and you arrive at the sheep pen, which is tiny and broken so you can't really get in there, but a little bit. Lupa is pushing herself near to your body and you are trying to protect her by the wind and the snow which really hits her and your face hard. Then you feel that your jeans, which are of course totally wet after the walk in the snow, are starting to freeze because you are not moving anymore and with this temperature of minus 20 degrees that goes fast and your feet and your hands frozen cold and hurting like hell. You can't move them anymore. You understand that you can't stay there because you really are starting to freeze. There's just one problem. You can't see anything anymore because you, you are in the middle of a huge snowstorm and it's not going to end. You try to look for your traces with your bare hands, but it's impossible. Lupa, she can't even open her eyes anymore. The snow is still hitting both of us. You try to look for your traces with your bare hands, but it's impossible. Lupa, she can't even open her eyes anymore. The snow is still hitting both of you. You start again to walk in the deep snow, but your frozen legs and the frozen jeans are making it heavy. That is when you start to realize that you are in a shitty situation. And you actually can't believe it that you are in this shitty situation. How could that happen? I mean, you have experienced the cold, the snow, everything before, a hundred times, a thousand times. And now suddenly your body is getting so cold that you almost can't move yourself anymore. And it hurts like hell. You don't have a mobile phone yet. You understand that nobody is going to worry about you because no one is at home. All right, let's go. Let's go home. But the path is never coming. You try to walk in this deep snow, but it goes on and on. 
And by the way, it's evening now and it's getting dark. And the snowstorm is still fully there. But you keep on going. And then you feel the snow getting lower. Really? Is the path coming? No, it's a small creek. A little stream of water. Where is this stream coming from? You can't see anything and you can't remember ever seeing this small little creek. Everything hurts. You have passed the limit where the herd is a herd which you never ever had before and your legs and chins are ice blocks and very hard to move. So the only way to continue to get somewhere is to continue in this little stream. I mean, it doesn't make a difference. You are wet from top till down. Lupa, she's always beside you. She's getting nervous. You feel so bad because you brought her into this situation, but at least you are together. Hours pass. Limits are passing. You can't find a way home. It's simple like that. You get out of the stream, exhausted, cold. It's dark, and for the first time you have to lie down. But the snowstorm is still on. You've always thought the storm is passing by, but this one seems to stand still above you. You lie in the snow, and after just a minute or seconds, you are covered by the new snow and Lupa is lying close to you, but still very restless. Poor Lupa, she's so worried. Sometimes she's lying on you, sometimes she's licking your face, just to protect you by the cold and the snow. The thoughts are pondering in your head. You imagine how simple it would be if you had a mobile phone. You could call 911, say that you can't find home anymore and that you are in a bad shape and that they please will come and find you and that's it. But there is no mobile phone. You try to scream but your face is frozen and you can't even move your lips. Everything just hurts. Lupa is starting to whine. She's barking at you. You can't see anything, but you feel how she's pushing you. Do something. But you are just lying there. Suddenly, you feel that she's staring at you one last time. And then, then she's gone. She ran away. Now there you are, all by yourself. At least she will be okay, you think. And suddenly you realize that you are tired. Tired by all the walking in the deep snow. Tired by this shitty situation. Tired by not knowing what will happen to you. If I just let myself go and fall asleep. Oh yes, oh yes, fall asleep. That sounds lovely. That is what you think and you decide to do. No fear anymore. Just tiredness. And a huge calm. That is the calm before death is arriving. You don't know how much time is passing. Not a lot. You think. But suddenly, there they are. The images. Your mind is sending you images. One after another. Every second, another picture of a moment in your life. They are just passing your inner sight. Moments. Another one. And another one. That's 
what our mind is doing just before the body and the mind think that's it. Quite a nice thing to do, actually. But you, you open your eyes in panic and you think, oh my God, that is really like in a movie. It really is like this. Your life is passing by showing you all those moments. And the second thought you have is, bloody hell, that is bad. That is really bad. That is not a good sign. And that is when you tell yourself, what am I doing? Trying to fall asleep? You're going to die. It's not a moment to die. You can't do that to your family or your friends or to yourself. You still have a lifetime to live. So do something. But believe me, it's hard to move. Your body is stiff like a block of ice. Time has passed and then you hear something. And right away, you feel something. Lupa, she's back. She's licking your face and you feel she's excited. Yes, because she brought someone. You hear a voice, but you can't answer. Your lips are stiff. You can only give some strange sounds. There is a man and he's shocked by understanding that you are lying there, not able to move. You hear him saying, I will get help. And then he's gone. Time passes again. A lot of time, actually. You feel it's getting critical. You're not sure to make it if they will not come soon. But no one is coming. In the meantime, you have to know, the man is going to the first house he can see. It's a restaurant up in the mountains. He gets in there, takes a chair and sits down at the bar and orders a drink. <laughs> yeah, that is what he does, in a shock condition. But you are still up there and you understand that if you want to survive, it's up to you. So first you try to stay awake. Then you try to slowly move your body, but the legs, no way. But you slowly start to move your arms. Hands, no way. Lupa is getting exciting. She's moving around you, encouraging you to do something. And then she gives you her lead. The lead has a big loop. And you have the idea to get into this loop with your body. And that Lupa will pull you then. You have the idea to get into this loop with your body. And that lupa will pull you then. That is what she's trying to make you understand. The only thing is, you have to attach the lead with your hands. And therefore, you have to move them, which seems impossible. It seems as they no longer exist. This takes so much time to do this. A simple movement, which will take two seconds in real life, will take you a long, long, long time. But Lupa is licking your hand. Maybe it's getting warmer, I don't know. But in the end, you manage it. The lead is attached to Lupa. You are trying to get in the loop slowly, but you manage. Wow, this is a progress. You feel that this is good. You get motivated. And then Lupa is starting to pull you. But damn it. Now you realize that she is choking herself. 
because she has a dark color which closes by tearing. It closes around her throat and she pulls and she gulps. It breaks your heart and you try to stop her, but she goes on. And sometimes she makes a tiny pause and then she tears again. Slowly you start to move, but still you have no idea where you are. In the meantime, the man at the bar is starting to talk to himself. Oh my God, she's going to die. She's going to die. The girl's going to die up there tonight. One of the guests are another, at another table is hearing him. He asks the man what he's murmuring. She's going to die, but nobody will find her. The guest at the table goes to the restaurant owner and they decide to call 911. Normally, the helicopter gets out in a case like this, but not tonight. The storm is making it impossible. You, still up there, somewhere, you don't believe that someone will get you. You also know that the helicopter can't come, but you are still pulled by Lupa. You have no idea how much time is passing. A lot. You don't know. When Lupa starts to bark as loud as she can, and then there is light. Bright red light. You try to scream, but nothing gets out of your mouth. Nothing. So Lupa continues to bark. And then the lights are coming towards you. It's one or maybe two snow scooters from the rescue team. And I think about three people which are coming towards you. They look at you and they get you as quick as possible on a bar behind the snow scooter. Now you just worry about Lupa, but she's near you, relieved. From then on, there are just moments you can remember. When you are lying at the doctor's place, he's yelling at you how stupid you are to go out in the mountains in jeans because he can't take them off. They're frozen on your legs, so they have to be warmed up slowly because you can't warm up a body which is suffering from severe hypothermia. But you remember that when he's able to open up the first buttons and opening the jeans, that he runs to the phone and calls the helicopter. She has to be transported to hospital right away. But still, the helicopter can't come. In the meantime, your parents arrive shocked and worried. Then the ambulance arrives. The only thing you remember is that you are telling jokes to your mom, which is sitting next to you in the ambulance for the next 30 minutes. I think that is when you fell into a state of shock. The next thing you remember is that the doctors in the hospital are shocked by your low body temperature and you hear one of the doctors saying, then maybe they will have to amputate your legs. And then there is nothing, just black. The next time you open your eyes, you hear the beeping sounds all around you of the intensive care unit. And then you look slowly under the blanket and you see your legs. They are still there. It takes years to get back the feeling in your feet. For the first years, you feel like flying when you are walking, 
because you can't really feel your souls. But actually, you quite like the feeling. End of story, my friend. But now, now let me get into the most impressive things about this story. Of course, the most impressive thing is Lupa. She was the hero. She saved my life. She was even in the newspapers. Yes, she was my guardian angel. When she was around, I felt safe. Wow, can you imagine how I suffered when she died? It was one of the saddest periods in my life. I felt so alone without her. And it took a while to understand that she's still watching me, maybe, hopefully. But there is another impressive thing I couldn't let go, the pictures. The images my brain was showing me in those moments before I faced death. It wasn't my first bungee jump. It wasn't anything which I had expected. The images my brain showed me were very ordinary moments of my daily life. For example, a dinner at a restaurant with my dad. I remember everything from this picture. What I was eating. The music that was playing. The decoration on the table. But still ordinary, nothing special. But I will be proved wrong. Because I look up a few different people, all saying to understand what happens just before we die. A guru, a shaman, neuroscientists, psychologists, and so on. They all tell me the same thing. It doesn't really matter if it's in the end of your life or in the end of your day when you are lying in bed. What will you remember? I tell you, and listen carefully, you will always remember emotional, intensive, experienced moments. That's it. Emotional, intensive, experienced moments. I went through all the pictures I had in my head that moment before almost dying, and also the one with my dad. And it was true. It was an emotional, intensive moment because what happened that night was that my dad took me out for dinner, but all alone. The rest of my family had to stay at home because he said, tonight it's going to be Anna and me out for dinner. And I was sitting at this restaurant, looking around, thinking, oh wow, what are the other people thinking? Why is it just out with me? I was proud. And to be proud is an emotion. It's an, it was actually an emotional intensive moment. Of course, you will also remember sad moments. But you will also remember freaking good moments. And you will remember moments which touch you. And that was when I understood that time is filled with moments. That my life is filled with moments. That it is in my hands to see those moments, but also to create those moments. And maybe now you will understand all my vlogs on YouTube where I repeat it all the time. Create moments. Create moments for yourself, but also create moments for others every single day. And these moments can be tiny. It can be a millisecond of a moment. But tiny or huge, it doesn't matter. If you don't want to be a creator of a startup or anything like it, 
Just be your own creator of your moments. Have a look at how many moments you can remember in the end of your day. Try to look for them. Yes, create them and then you will see that you experience quite a lot of things every day. And that is called life. Death has taught me to live my life fully. But what does it mean? It means to create moments every single day. If it is at work or with friends or family, I will always look for those moments. You know, I don't know when I will re-experience that moment before death, but I will. Where my brain will show me those images. But now, now I'm influencing those pictures. I'm trying to have a lot of those beautiful, touching moments. Because I don't want to die with regrets. I want to die with a good feeling. Please don't sacrifice too much of your precious time by forgetting the things that really matter in life, like family, friends, and to do the things you enjoy, to laugh out loud, to celebrate, to dance and to embrace life. Find space, make space and time also for those things. And even better, find a job or a life where you can experience loads of those important moments. So let's come to the end of this story. These words are very important. Please listen carefully. Now what has changed after my near-death experience? I have surely another perception of time as you have. The knowing that death can be around the corner that really has changed my life. It still makes me freak out sometimes. And the result is that I go and hug my family members or call them or write them letters telling them that I love them or that I just start to dance around in the kitchen being happy that I'm still alive. Another thing is, I can plan things up to six months, but I can't go further. Eight months or a year are worrying me, but six months are okay. And another thing I have changed in my life is to have a life with plenty of variety in it. I love my work. I love to be creative and I could do it forever and all the time. I mean, I could be a workaholic just because I love doing what I do. But this one-sided package would one day bore me out. I need family and friends in my package. I need unplanned surprises in my package. I need time to daydream. I need time to go out ice bathing. I need a variety and I need a various life. A various life is for me a fully lived life. And that is what death has taught me. Not to wait for something to come. I mean, if I have an idea, I will not wait. I will do it. Never in a hurry, but I'll go for it. What a chance I had to experience this. I didn't think like that in the moment <laughs> when it happened in the snowstorm, but it gave me the joie de vivre. It gave me the sparkle to celebrate life. It gave me this deep gratitude, which I'm feeling every day and which touches me again and again. The truth is death is the end of a lifetime, but most of the people deny death and that means that this also is a denial that time will end. 
If you deny that one day your time will end, you are likely to treat time much differently than you would if you felt time to be precious and of limited duration. I mean, just think about it. If you believe you have another 1,000 years to live, you are unlikely to give time the value it shall have. It's more precious and valuable than anything else. Don't deny death. It will be there and those thoughts will help you to value the time you have, to make the best out of it, to be proactive, to do stuff, to make dreams come true, to get out of the waiting situation. Don't wait. Your time is in your hands. Treat it well. Be thankful that you can still change things if you are in an unhappy situation. That means to live life fully. Wow, so there it was. The story about my near-death experience. (laughs) And you know why I never bothered to tell the whole story? Because I always thought it would be very egocentric to tell it. I mean, it's just about me, 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 me. And that is just why I always told the part with the pictures you receive just before dying. I mean, that's the thing. And really, I still think that this is the fantastic part of the story. Because if we try to influence those pictures, it's creating a good life. That's all for today and thank you. If you are still around and listening to these words, you gave me a lot of your time to hear this podcast and I appreciate that a lot. From the bottom of my heart, I am wishing you a very, very good time. I already told you I love morning rituals and on my Have a Good Day program, you can find the morning rituals for free. It's a gift from me to you on www.thetimeexpert.ch And by the way, feet, legs, hands, everything is back to normal. But actually, what is normal? (laughs) That's all for today. Thank you very much for listening and until next week. That was me, Anna Yellen, your time expert. Bye.